Okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. Say again, please. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. It's 3 a.m. You're tossing and turning, trying to fall back asleep. You look at the clock again, and it's only been 10 minutes since the last time you checked, but you know you got to get up at 6, so you need to get to sleep now. You shift positions. You change your pillow. You grab your favorite stuffed animal, but nothing helps. Frustrated, you grab your iPad and watch air crash disasters, hoping that it'll calm you down. It doesn't. We've got a problem. Anyone who's researched sleep hygiene or strategies for dealing with insomnia can probably identify three or four things right off the bat that are wrong with that picture. 25% of Americans experience insomnia every year, though it's oftentimes due to temporary circumstances like sickness or stressing about money, your family, or your job. Chances are good you've had times in your life when you've had trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, or getting back to sleep after you've woken up. If it happens three times a week or more for three months or longer, you've got chronic insomnia. Temporary or chronic, though, there are several steps you can take to help yourself more reliably get a better night's sleep. First of all, we've got to deal with the low-hanging fruit and build a strong foundation. These are usually the first strategies that people encounter when they search for tips on sleeping better. Because we've all probably encountered some of these tips before, it's easy to ignore them, but it's important to deal with the basics before we move on to more drastic solutions. Dark, cool, and quiet. That's what we're going for. Your internal clock, your circadian rhythm, regulates your sleep-wake cycles. As you spend time in morning daylight, your body turns off the melatonin spigot and you start to feel more awake. As daylight recedes and nighttime approaches, you start producing melatonin again and you start to feel sleepy. Anything that interferes with that signaling system can throw off your natural rhythm, so you want to make sure your sleep space is dark. Like really dark. Think hotel room dark. I'll say this, I probably went too far, and I have blackout roller shades and blackout curtains to cut light down to the absolute minimum. You certainly don't need to go that far, just sizing your curtains correctly would probably do the trick, but hey, in for a penny and for a pound. Darkness also means eliminating any other light-producing devices, so that standby power light on your TV, that power strip under your dresser, anything that produces light might be a candidate for removal. Everyone has their own preferred sleep temperature, but research has shown that generally cooler temperatures around 65 degrees Fahrenheit or 18.3 Celsius, give or take, are the best for promoting quality sleep. Your core temperature drops throughout the night, so a room that's too warm can interfere with your ability to properly shed body heat. A room that's too cold can have the opposite effect, so do whatever's comfortable for you. But if you're regularly struggling to fall asleep or stay asleep, try cooling things down a bit. Almost anybody would have trouble sleeping if noises kept waking them up. If there's nothing you can do to reduce outside sounds, then masking them may be the next best thing. It's changes in intensity or the irregularity of outside sounds that generally wakes people up. One way to ameliorate the problem is by masking those sounds with white noise. Something as simple as a ceiling fan can help drown out talking or your roommate's TV. And if that's not enough, a dedicated white noise machine may be the next step. That being said, the research on whether white noise is beneficial in broad circumstances is kind of inconclusive. So if you don't have sounds you need to drown out, you're probably better off in a quiet room than one with 80 decibels of white noise blaring, but go ahead and try it. Now let's talk about basic sleep hygiene. Your body does not like change. It craves routine, at least when it comes to sleep. So practicing good sleep hygiene matters. Going to bed and waking up at the same time every day, whether it's a workday or a weekend, can help get your body in the rhythm of sleep. 
If you need to wake up at 6 a.m. during the week to get to work on time, then you should probably be waking up around 6 a.m. every day and backing your bedtime up to make sure that you get the amount of sleep that you need. That's not to say you can't deviate occasionally, but getting yourself into a strict routine and prioritizing paying off your sleep debt instead of watching another episode of Visit Cake for a little while might help get you back on track. Along with that, you've got to send a consistent signal to your body that bed is where you sleep, and that's the only thing you do there. That and recreational activities. That means no devices in the bedroom, no reading in bed, no watching TV in bed. It also means that if you're not sleeping during the middle of the night, you should get out of bed and do something relaxing in another room until you feel sleepy. You don't want to program your body to believe that bed is where you lie awake and ruminate. Telling your body that it's time for bed by keeping a consistent bedtime, going to the place you only use for sleep, and maybe even following a consistent shutdown routine can help. If every night you take your Metamucil, brush your teeth, put on your jammy jams, turn down the thermostat, and crawl into bed at exactly 10.30, you'll be primed for sleep. I'm not sure if anyone in the history of the world has ever fallen asleep by trying harder or by worrying more about the fact that they're not sleeping. So again, if you're having trouble falling asleep and can't stop obsessing over it, get out of bed and do something to take your mind off of your current predicament. Read something dry, put on a relaxing podcast, or pay bills in dim light. Here's a pro tip. Don't look at the clock. I realize most of us need some sort of alarm clock, but if at all possible, put it somewhere where you can't see it. If you wake up in the middle of the night and wonder what time it is, I'll tell you exactly what time it is. It's nighttime. Go back to sleep. Now, if you're waking up a lot or you're getting pretty fitful sleep, make sure there aren't other red flag behaviors to blame. For instance, are you drinking alcohol? Any alcohol at all, even that one glass of red wine you claim relaxes you so you can fall asleep, has the potential to interrupt your sleep patterns. It might help you fall asleep, but you probably won't get high-quality sleep. It's the same deal with food. You don't want to be starving and you don't want to be stuffed. Either of the extremes in your sleep quality and duration might be affected. Okay, so now you've done everything to set yourself up for success and you're still having trouble falling asleep. What now? Is it time for medication? Probably not. I mean, if you rely on sleep medication, you're not alone. There are plenty of people who do, but that doesn't mean it's effective, especially long term. Apparently, the most effective method, much more so than pills, is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, or CBTI. According to a recent New York Times article, 80% of people who tried CBTI reported improvements after just a few sessions, including people who'd suffered from insomnia for years. Some psychotherapists offer it, and if you can't find somebody locally who does, it's also available online for low or no cost. CBTI addresses stuff you're doing that might be preventing you from getting a good night's sleep, like those same sleep hygiene things I talked about earlier. But it also addresses the mental component as well. If you're having trouble sleeping, chances are you have a heightened level of anxiety around whether you're going to be able to sleep or not, and may in fact view sleep as something to fear rather than something that just is. Of course, before you seek treatment for insomnia from a psychotherapist, you may want to visit your regular doctor to rule out any medical problems that might also be causing you to have trouble sleeping. From sleep apnea to a thyroid imbalance to depression, you may have a combination of contributing factors you'll need to address as well. But once you've made sure there isn't something else to blame, consider CBTI. Your healthcare provider may be able to provide you a referral, but don't be surprised if they can't. Apparently, there aren't nearly as many clinicians trained in behavioral sleep medicine as there are people who want help. The good news is that some studies have shown that online or self-directed CBTI can be just as effective as talking to a physical person face-to-face. 
Links to articles and online resources are in the video description if you want to know more. Leave a comment and let me know what you're doing to get better sleep, what you've tried, and whether it worked. And until next time, we don't have a problem, we've got an opportunity.